But if you've been around for the last few weeks, you'll know that as a church, we've just been exploring, um, talking about our vision and our values. We felt it's a season where we've transitioned to a new eldership, and we felt it right just to take a fresh look at who we are as a family. What are the things that are really important to us? What are the things that make us tick, and what are the things that we're going for as a community? So hopefully you're starting to get a wee picture of, of what, what we're going for. We've talked already quite a bit about um, the presence of God, we're talking about key values and some of the things that have flown from that. And now we're beginning to uh, think about honour and Nick kind of kicked that off two or three weeks ago with a great overview of what honour's all about. And we followed that up um, more recently with... Um, Jen McFarlane talking about identity, because actually, if we're going to live this culture of honour, we need to know who we are. We need to know that we're God's children, that we're made in his image, and um, have the confidence uh, to live in that. And um, last week, the amazing Steve Perkins uh, spoke to us about leadership and did a great job just unpacking some of the heart that we have behind our leadership. And we're actually, as we go through this, we're going to talk about honour, we're going to talk about legacy. But at the end of all this, we're actually going to have a massive celebration of who we are as a community. It's going to be a chance for us to say our yes and amen. We're in for this, we're going to go for this. I think we're going to probably eat. It's Hope Church, I'm sure we're going to eat. We always eat. Um, and, but we're going to celebrate together what it is God's calling us to and celebrate you know, our togetherness as a community. And so it's going to be a great time. I think it's the 16th of September, Sunday 16th of September. So put the date in your diary. It's going to be an amazing day. So in the same way as we celebrated when the elders were set in, we're going to celebrate our whole family together. Cool. So, we're, as I say, we're currently under the heading of honour. And today, my topic is love. Now, love is one of those words that I think has become seriously disvalued or devalued in our society. You know, we see on the media and TV, you know, love and sex are kind of synonymous. Um, and love is portrayed by Hollywood and all, all these uh, places is typically fickle, feelings-led. Um, and, you know, this is really entirely a point with a biblical and Christian understanding of love. Now, this is an absolutely massive topic, which I can't possibly do justice to in a short time like this. But hopefully, I can pick on some of the key points, give you some things to go away and have a look at, have a read at, um, and, and just to really start to think about, you know, what is love all about? Where does it come from? And, and how do we express that in our community? And this culture of honour that we're, we believe is you know, so key to us living together as a family is underpinned by love. And it's really, really important that we, we grasp this. So I want to begin by thinking about, well, love, where does it come from? And of course, the source of love is God himself. Um, 1 John, um, the whole book really is about the love of God. And in there it says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So love is really at the very essence of God's being. It's who he is. It's right at the core of 
just, just his being and his motivation in his actions towards us. Yeah, God loves his creation. He looked at it and he saw that it was good. And he saw even when its perfection was devalued by man's choice, he responded in love. And his response was then to put in a, pl a plan to restore it to um, the way he wanted it, initially planned and wanted it to be. So I think the first thing we need to know is that we are recipients and beneficiaries of his love. We find this both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just want to pick out a few verses just to kind of hammer that home to us. And then we'll, we'll move on. But, so Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And then again in 1 Kings 8 and 22 and 23, again, this is what the opening of the temple and Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. So love is the basis of this covenant with us. You know, we kind of think of the Old Testament as being all about the rules and regulations. But at the heart of this covenant was love, the love of the Father. And I think in the New Covenant, it's much more clearly expressed that, that this is a love relationship. This is a love commitment between us and God. But in the Old Testament, we kind of we don't get that picture quite so much. But it's really clear there that the covenant was put in place because God loved his people Israel. And he wanted to bless them, and he wanted to give them a framework where they could be blessed by him. And again, there's a whole bunch of verses in the Old Testament which just express this love of God towards us. So 1 Kings 10 says, Praise to be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. So here he's talking about the king. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he's made you king. So he's talking, I think, about Solomon there. Um, so, yeah, God's love is expressed in, in many different ways. In Joel 2.13, it says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Again, right at the heart of his being, that's who he is, this heart of love towards us. His heart isn't to zap us, as we, we might think from reading some of the Old Testament, but actually... His heart is, is of love towards us. And Zephaniah 3.17, a verse that we know well, the Lord your God is with you. Mighty warrior who saves will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So again, that heart of a father of love towards us. So we've got this amazing picture painted in these words of a God who loves his people with a passion, with a tenderness, and with an undying love. Recently in the Hope Reads, we've been reading the book of Hosea. Um, quite a challenging book in a way. God says to the prophet, I want you to go and marry this prostitute, essentially, and, and take her as your wife. And there's this kind of allegory of the love of God towards the unfaithful Israel. 
And just a verse from there, the Lord said to me, go to your love, go and show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another man as an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. And again, just this sense of the, the constancy of the love of God. Even if we do things which don't please him, actually his love for us doesn't change. We have this uh, kind of backing us up and undergirding us at, at every turn. We can't run from the love of God. So yeah, this is just this lovely picture of the love of God. And despite the rejection of Israel and turn, turn their back on him, God's love towards his people never failed. And this is kind of a prelude to the establishing of the new covenant. It sets the scene for the most amazing act of love that the universe has ever seen. Now God's love is expressed to us both as individuals and as his chosen people. So it's a personal thing, but actually he loves the body as well. And the ultimate expression of God's love was him sending Jesus to die for us. So 1 John 4 verse 9, it says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And we all know John 3.16 incredibly well. God loved the world so much. He gave his one and only son. So God, and his, his love is expressed in an action. And that action was to send Jesus to die so that we could be restored to relationship with him. So what's our response to his love? Well, I think there's two things. The first thing is that we love him back. And it says that we love because he first loved us. So our, our first response is in worship and intimacy towards him. You know, when we receive love, we want to give it back. And it, it's no different with the Father. His love is just mind-blowing. We were singing about it, my cup overflows. Um, in worship this morning. That's just our response to the love of God that's been poured out on us. But not only do we love him, but actually we love one another in the same way that he's loved us. So, I want to take a little bit of time just thinking about what that looks like. And I have to give a shout out to Jen Trekold here, who, when we were talking about this in, in our, our leaders group, prepared a wonderful paper on love. And I've actually drawn a few things from there, so you might recognize a phrase or two, Jen. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so what does this love look like? So the Greek language of the New Testament actually has several words for love. So, we know the word, the love word eros, from which we get the word erotic, which speaks of a physical, sexual kind of love. Now, filio, which is a kind of a brotherly love, you know, sort of platonic affection. But the word which is most widely used for the word love in the New Testament is agape. It's the word that's used to describe this Christian love. And its essence is it's benevolent, it's of a delight in the object of the love. And it involves a faithfulness, a commitment, and an act of will. And it's very different from these other types of love in that it has a very high kind of moral standard and it's full of character. 
And this agape love is, isn't an emotion. So the whole Hollywood love that we see, which is all about gushing emotion and all the rest of it, it's actually something much more at the basis of the love that God puts in our heart. So this agape love is not an emotion, but actually it's a decision of the heart. Sometimes it's a choice to love, even when that's not the natural emotional response. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think in our relationships, actually, love looks like that sometimes. That we, we have to make a choice to love. You know, I married Lydia 34 and a bit years ago now, and there was lots of emotion, I can say that for sure. She's an amazing woman. But there are many times when actually I have to make a choice to love. You know, um, I don't always feel like it. Um, I think that's perfectly natural. But there's that cho choice day by day that actually I choose you and I love you. So this agape love is probably best described in a passage of scripture, which probably is one of the best known in the world, both among Christians and non-Christians. It's read at weddings and all kinds of stuff. And that's 1 Corinthians 13. But I think it's really important that the familiarity of these words doesn't rob us of just the depth and richness of what they express. So I'm going to read them to you, and as I read them, I'd ask you to ask the Holy Spirit just to interpret them to you afresh and just speak into your life and where you need the invasion of His love. So 1 Corinthians 13. I speak, if I speak in the tongue of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we only see a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Just such a beautiful passage of scripture. It's poetic, it, it's so many things, it conveys um, something really, really potent. I think as well it's an incredibly challenging passage of scripture. It kind of cuts across our individualistic, me-first, societal norm. And it paints this picture of a radical, self-sacrificial love. Now I look at that and sometimes think, heck, that's a pretty high bar to attain. 
um, you know, how do we do this? But actually, when we look at it and realize, actually, most of the attributes that are listed there are actually listed in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that are all the fruit of living in the Spirit. As we walk in step with the Spirit, what He does is to infuse us with His love. As we respond to His voice and His promptings, His love will be manifest in our lives. Now, Jesus said He only saw what He saw the Father doing. And as we have that mindset of homing in on what God is doing, what He's doing around us, then our response will be one of love. And we'll express that heart of God whose very essence is love. And God's love is poured, it tells us in Romans, is poured out into our hearts. You know, sometimes that love you know, can only come from Him. We'll be in situations where love is the last thing, to, thing on our mind. Actually, as His Spirit just comes to us, His love pours into our hearts. So Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because of the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And in Thessal Thessal Thessalonians, <laughs> <laughs> chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. I think that's great, you know, Paul's writing to all these churches and he looks at this church in Thessalonica and what he sees is a community that actually is loving one another well and who, you know, he says, God's actually taught you. It's not me, I didn't tell you, but that idea of just responding to God and that brings a response to the people around us. And I want to say, as I look around Hope Church, I see that as well. I just see love in action in so many, many different ways. God has put that in our hearts. And, you know, I'm not preaching this morning to say, we've got to love more. We've got to... It's just that real sense of, let's encourage each other to keep on going and, and, to, and to do that. Probably one of the most outstanding examples of this agape love in, in the New Testament is the story of the New Samaritan, sorry, the Good Samaritan. It's told by Jesus in Luke. Again, I'm just going to read you the story and we'll pick a few comments from it. So, Jesus was teaching and it says, an expert of the law stood up to test him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. I think that's a really interesting response from this teacher who would have been bound up with all the legalism and all the other things, but to distill out this beautiful statement that actually fulfilling the law is loving God and loving one another. So Jesus said, you've answered correctly, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. 
A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him into an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So, Jesus tells his story and this is really an incredible selfless act of this agape love. So Jesus having his little dig at the establishment maybe, he has a priest going by, who obviously doesn't want to become unclean with this, you know, this man who is maybe dead or whatever, and the, the um, Levite as well. But the, here the Samaritan, and the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. Um, they were referred to as dogs, you might remember there was this woman, Samaritan woman, who was wanting Jesus to heal him. And he said, why should I heal a Samaritan? She said, even the dogs get the scratch from under the table. That's where it comes from. So they were really despised by the Jews. And yet this Samaritan man, first of all, stopped in a really dangerous place. This guy had been beaten up and robbed and all the rest of it. So he was putting himself in danger. He probably got himself pretty messed up and dirty trying to help this guy and wash him down and clean him up. And he poured out oil and wine. Not quite sure why I was carrying oil and wine, but I suppose just to, to eat and, and drink. But uh, So he, he, he cleaned the man up and then he even paid out of his own pocket for this man to be cared for. This is what agape love looks like. It sees the value in everyone, even those we don't naturally gravitate to, those we find difficult, those who are even who are even antagonistic towards us. And then even in the face of the objections, chooses compassion, chooses to act and chooses to give. Jesus himself is also a great example of showing this agape love. How often do we read the words who are moved by compassion as he loved the leper, the unclean, those that religion rejected. And he selflessly revealed the heart of the Father to them. So for us, learning to love in this agape way is a partnership with the author of love himself. Love is poured into our hearts. And let's allow that love to pour out to those around us. Learning to agape love is becoming increasingly insensitive to the voice of the Spirit and his promptings, increasingly immersed in heaven's culture, and increasingly willing to lay our lives down for the benefit of those around us. 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, 1 John, says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
Because of God's love towards us, we're able to love one another. Our response to his love is to love in return. So part of agape love is to love the unlovely, those that we don't see eye to eye with, and those probably who frankly annoy us. <laughs> but in order to love well, we also need to open our eyes and to be aware of the needs of others. And I think, say, our society tends to be very inward-looking, terribly, um, often quite sort of self-absorbed. And we need the Holy Spirit just to open our eyes to see the people around us, to be able to pour out love on those. Just a wee aside as well, to love others well, we need to understand how they receive love. And it's something we've done among the leadership team, and I know quite a few people, you know, we did in our small group and various things, is to actually understand you know, how people receive love. You know, for some people, a hug is just the best thing ever. Mr. Simon Parnham, I'm not sure where he is. Mr. Simon Parnham loves a hug. He's a great hugger. But for some people, actually, that's really uncomfortable and doesn't feel particularly loving at all. And so understanding how, how we receive love is really important. There's some tools that we can use to do that. There's something called the love languages, and you can find that online if you want to. And that kind of categorizes just some different ways in which people receive love. So things like words of affirmation. For some people, a kind word and a, and a word saying, you're amazing. Is, will make them feel like a million dollars. Acts of service. For some people actually coming into their home and just doing that pile of washing up that they just haven't got to is the most amazing blessing. Receiving gifts. For some people, that's the thing that makes them feel really, really valued. Quality time. Just actually sitting down with somebody and sharing heart with them. Some, that is the one thing that really is great. And the physical touch thing, so the huggers of the world, you know, that, that's what, what maybe floats that boat. Um, now, when we did this in our small group about well, probably five or six years ago now, we, we think there's actually a sixth love language, and that's food and drink, but I think everybody else has. Um, but, I mean, these, these things are tools, it, but it, it's sometimes helpful just to understand the people around you and, and the way that they that they tick, and how can you bless the people around you? And you don't have to do these things, you can ask good questions, you can talk and just uh, and get to know people and understand the things that they really appreciate. <laughs> okay. So let's kind of bring this to a wee bit of a conclusion. I finish a little early today, we had quite a lot to pack in, so I prepared a little less, but what can I say? Honestly, love is probably the most important outcome of our encounter with the living Jesus. If it's not present in our, in our lives, then everything else we do, to quote 1 Corinthians 13, is a clanging gong and a clashing cymbal. And it's my prayer that everything that we do comes from this motivation of love. A motivation of um, being able to just release the love of God to those around us. To those within our community and to those outside our community as well. 
whole bunch of things which are absolutely amazing. But the underpinning of everything, the motivation, is the love. So, our love. First of all, our love has to be a, God, a love for God himself. Born out of that realisation of the remarkable love that he's first shown us. And that's expressed in our worship and our devotion to him. There's a verse that says, he who's been forgiven much will love much. And I think that was speaking, speaking of the woman who just broke the incense over Jesus' feet. That needs to be our heart towards him, just that, that love towards him for our sin which has been covered, for the way that he continues to bless us. Let's never lose that love and that adoration of him. Secondly, there's this self-denying love for one another that makes our community the safest, the most generous, the most caring, the most attractive place to be. Let's just continue to look and see it. It says somewhere to outdo one another in showing love. And I just want that to be our heart among our community. That we pour out God's love to one another. The love also translates into a love for the lost as well. Whether the poor and materially destitute or the rich, but morally and spiritually destitute perhaps. It's a love, again, which transcends our natural sympathies uh, and, and taps in to you know, God's heart for this planet. His heart is that no one should miss being saved and encountering the love of God. And then, lastly, I love this thing which is the church. Now, this is God's family. It's his expression on this planet. So love is the only way in which this culture of honour that we're talking about can work. It's selfless, it prefers others, it builds others up, it chooses to see the best and chooses to overlook faults in order that we can maintain connection. Um, so let us love one another, for love comes from God. So I want to give you a little bit of homework. I just want to encourage you to go back into those verses in 1 Corinthians. Particularly verses 4 to 8 where it just describes those attributes of love. And just sit down and spend some time asking the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth to speak to you and just begin to show you some of the ways in which you can express this amazing love. And if you want to do a bit more, then I'd recommend dive into the book of 1 John. Again, this really, for me, just inspired me with the love that the Father has lavished on us. And allow that then to fuel a love for one another and a love for the world outside our doors. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, we thank you so much for your love. A love shown in Jesus coming and dying for us. A love which you just continue to express to us in your provision, in your healing, in so many different ways. And we thank you, God, for that. And Father, I just pray that that love would not just be something which we receive and hold on to, but God, let it overflow. Father, let us partner with Holy Spirit 
and release your love. In whatever way that looks, whether it be in, be in releasing a healing or taking a meal to someone. God, let us overflow the Holy Spirit love to those around us. And Father, I just pray that in this church, uh, you would just ignite our hearts to love you, to love one another, and to love the world around us. Yeah, yeah we love you, Father. Yeah. Amen.